Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome those on our Grovetown campus. I'd like to welcome those on our South campus, those watching online and on demand. It is a beautiful, beautiful day. Once again, all of our teams won. <laughs> Where's Pastor Dave when you know? You know Pastor Dave graduated the University of Kentucky. He's a no-show today. <laughs> no-show. But South Carolina came through. And so um, this might be the only week that I can really boast but I will boast only in the Lord <sighs> and Coach Beamer. <laughs> now, it's so good to see you here. And, uh, you know, today's day, we're going to be closing out our Harvest series. And, you know, I like to start with something funny, but this week, the joke is on me. Take a look at this. Hey, I like to start with something funny. Uh, I'm going to start with something funny. You know, I like to start with something funny. I love to start with something funny. You know, I like to start with something funny. My wife left me for a Georgia State trooper. And when I saw you in, in my rearview mirror, I thought he was bringing her back. Well, you, you know, I like to start with something funny. You know, I like to start with something funny. You know, I like to start with something funny. You know, I like to start with something funny. Well, this is what I want. I want the name of the person who pushed me in. Anyway, I like to start with something funny, but I like to start with something funny. You know, I like to start with something funny. You told me to go get a, a hot mama and stay cheerful. He said, whoa, wait a minute. I said, you had a heart murmur and be careful. <laughs> so you know me, I like to start with something funny. I told that to Patty last night practicing and she said, I don't get it. I said, the biker killed him. Here's the deal. I need more jokes, but I like to start with something funny. You know, I like to start with something funny. And you know, I always like to start with something funny. I want you to come over to my house and do a funeral for my dog. The pastor says, nah, I, 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 I don't believe I can do that. He said, well, he said, I was going to give $5,000 donation to the church. The pastor says, well, why didn't you tell me your dog was Baptist? <laughs> you know, I like to start with something funny. You know, I like to start with something funny. And he picked up the bottle and he looked at it and, and he opened it up and there's a genie that came out. Now, this is not a true story. Okay. I like to start with something funny. You know, I love to start with something funny. And That's funny now. <laughs> I have to laugh sometimes at my own jokes. You know, I like to start with something funny. I like to start with something funny. Oh, I know that's old, but it's still good. You need to take away stress from his life and you need to be intimate with him every day. And if you do those things, he'll live. Well, she went back in the room and she said, honey, I'm so sorry the doctor just told me you're gonna die. <laughs> you know how to find Will Smith in a snowstorm, don't you? Just look for the Fresh Prince. <clears throat> when you give me better jokes, I will tell them. You know that I like to start with something funny. You know I like to start with something funny. I like to start with something funny. You know I like to start with something funny. Knock, knock. Noah. I know a guy if you need an ark. 
I like to start with something funny. You know, I like to start with something funny, but you know, I like to start off with something funny. Okay, it's Father's Day, so at least you're ready for just, can you, just one more? You know, you know I, I like, like to start with something, something funny. I want to start with something funny. Oh, a little slow. I think I heard Grovetown a little bit louder than you guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, you know, I like to start with something funny. I'm telling you, like, gas prices are, like, out of sight. Have you ever been pumping gas and feel start sweating? You may have the new car owner virus. Car owner virus. Oh, maybe that didn't work. Okay. Some car owner virus. Okay. But you know, you know, I like to start with something funny. <clears throat> oh, there's more if we just got time. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they did uh, to help celebrate the 35th anniversary. Yeah, and Tristan said, look, I had to watch 67 sermons to get that. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Today we're closing out our Harvest series as we've been looking at the last 35 years, the milestone moments in our 35-year history as a church. You know, when we look at our individual lives, all of us, at some point or another, we have a milestone moment. Now, milestone moments are the time in your life when you experience something so significant that you mark it. It's a moment that, that maybe you'll remember to the end of your life. I remember, I'll never forget the day that a random lady named Sylvia uh, walked in our office. Patty knocked on the door and she said, Marty said, I was out in the parking lot and I saw this lady walking around and, and uh, I asked her if I could help her and she needs to talk to you. And Patty brought her into the office. And back in those days, Patty was the receptionist. She was the, um, the finance director. She was a part-time piano player and she was a full-time singer. You name it. She did it all. And she said, look, you need to talk to this girl. And Sylvia came in my office and she tried to appear like she had it all together. But I could tell she was uh, in trouble. And, and as she sat down and she was just making small talk, and then she said, by the way, what kind of church is this? I said, well, we're part of the Church of God denomination. She said, oh, she said, denomination, I've heard of that one. And she continued to talk, and finally she just broke down and she says, look, i got to be honest with you. She said, I'm 26 years old, and I haven't been inside a church since I was 13. And she said, then it was only for vacation Bible school. And she said, my life is a wreck and my marriage is falling apart and I need help. Now, at that moment, I was probably more surprised that she hadn't been in church in 13 years than I was that her marriage was falling apart. And for me, this was a milestone moment. This was kind of a wake-up call for me. Because you see... In my world at that particular time, I don't know if I knew anybody that didn't go to church. I grew up in a small town in the South, and everybody in our town went to church. Now, everybody was not saved, not at all. But they were connected to a church because that's just what you did in the South in those days. You went to church. It was like good hygiene. Take a bath once a week, go to church once a week kind of how life in the South in those days. But God used that 
conversation with Sylvia to open my eyes to a broader world, to the real world. The real world is that she lived in the neighborhood right beside our building. And she, in fact, she walked over there to see me that day. That there are people in our neighborhoods down the street from us that have never been connected to God or the church. And when you meet them as you're walking by their house, as you're at a meeting, as you see them, you, you'll never look into the eyes of somebody that does not matter to God. And that day, God just used Sylvia to help open my eyes to that. That God wants Sylvia and wants your friends to be in his family. That God's heart is big. And so many times we look at certain people and say, oh, God wants them and their family, but God doesn't want this group over here. But that's not the case. And God wants to use this message today and, and her story to open up all of our eyes to how much people matter. That people matter to God and they ought to matter to us. With that in mind, we pick up the Bible and turn to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to talk about the story of Zacchaeus. Verse 1, it said, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man came to him by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was a short man, so he couldn't see uh, Jesus because of the massive crowds that had gathered to see him. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming by that way. Now, when Jesus reached that spot, Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. Tradition tells us that Zacchaeus was the smallest man in town. Now, I assume that's true, but we know he was short, and probably the very fact that he was short meant that he was ridiculed most of his life. But this verse also tells us that he was hated. And the reason I say that is because it says that he was the chief tax collector. And Jews in those days hated tax collectors, and specifically the chief tax collector, because here's how it worked. The Roman government would put out tax collecting out to bid. It was like a franchise. And so let's say Zacchaeus won the bid and he became the, became the franchise owner for the tax collecting. And so he would go out and he would collect all the taxes that Rome required, but then he would add a convenience fee on top of that. And people hated the convenience fee. Because it became like a scam. And so he was over there getting wealthy, and the Jewish people looked at him and said, You are a brother of ours, and you're treating us wrong. You're a turncoat. A turncoat. And so what they did, they just hated the fact that he uh, was a traitor and he worked for the Roman government. So Zacchaeus was lonely. He had all the money that he ever wanted, but he didn't have friends, and he had an emptiness on the inside of him. So he heard Jesus is coming, and so he had this interest in Jesus. And so he ran, and he saw the crowds everywhere, and so he did 
two things that a Middle Eastern man in those days would never do. He ran and he climbed a tree. He ran, so picture this, to run in those days, they wore robes, you would have to pick up the robe to run. To pick up the robe and run, it would show your bare legs, and a Middle Eastern man would never want to show his bare legs. But he didn't care. He wanted to get to Jesus. So he picked up uh, his robe, he ran, and then he climbed up a tree. And a Middle Eastern man in those days wouldn't climb a tree. That would, that would be beneath him, but he didn't care. He climbed up, Jesus came. Now there are scores and scores of people coming to see Jesus. Some people just wanted to see him. Other people wanted to be touched by him. Other people wanted to touch him. So Jesus is working the crowd. And as he is moving down the street, he stops. He stops at the very tree that Zacchaeus was in. He stops and he looks up and he calls him by name. He said, Zacchaeus. I am sure at this moment, Zacchaeus is shocked that Jesus actually knew his name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down here. Come down because I want to go to your house today. Verse 6 says, so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. I think that Zacchaeus was probably saved the very moment that his feet hit the ground. His life was changed instantly. And when the crowd saw this interaction and heard Jesus say, I am going over to your house, I'm going over to your house, they couldn't believe it. Verse 7 says, all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone over to be a guest of a sinner. Jesus was making a statement to the crowd that day. And here's what he was saying. You don't have to be perfect to be accepted in God's family. That's what Jesus was saying to Zacchaeus. And that's what he's saying to each one of us. You don't have to be perfect to be accepted into God's family. You can look around this uh, auditorium today and our Grovetown campus and our South campus and just realize none of us are perfect. Not one of us. And you don't have to be perfect to be accepted into God's family. All of us have done things we've wrong, we've, we've sinned, and we've fallen short. Next verse, in verse 9, it said, Jesus told Zacchaeus, he said, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the good news. Jesus came to seek and to save. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. Jesus is coming for you. And Jesus wants you to be a part of his family And this story is very clear, that he is seeking after you. And you may be up a tree, you may may be out on a limb, you may be in a deep and dark place. It doesn't matter where you are. Jesus is here knocking on your door. He's looking for you. God knows who you are. There's never been a moment that he has taken his eyes off of you. Now, over the 
past few weeks, we've been using this series just to give you a glimpse into where we've come from. Because I believe that where we've come from will help us provide a foundation for where we want to go. There's some things that just won't change, and those core values are some of that. So here's just a glimpse about where we've come from and what was going on in the early days. In the spring of 1988, the administrative bishop of our North Georgia conference called me up and said, Marty, there's a church in Martinez that I would like to merge with your congregation, the Martinez Church of God. And so, of course, I was excited because we were meeting in a home, then meeting in a hotel. Now we'd actually be a real legitimate church because we would have a building. And then the fact that we're going to merge the two congregations together. If you can imagine paneling everywhere, blue shag carpet, light bulbs that were out, all of that kind of stuff that we walked into. But we didn't see all of that. What we saw was potential. But here's what really happened. We moved in the building, but we really didn't grow any because of that. And I'll never forget on a Tuesday, I came here and I was walking through the aisles of the church praying and I, I knelt down and I said, God, why is it my church growing? And the Lord prompted me and He said, because I have called you to reach lost people and you're not doing it. And it was during that season that God connected us with a church in Chicago, Willow Creek Community Church, and they taught us what it means to be outward focused. They taught us what it means to interact with the lost people. That revolutionized our ministry and our lives. And from that moment forward, we started seeing people come to faith. We started praying and asking God to give us a new property. And so we put this church building up for sale and it took months and months and months. But eventually we sold it and we moved to Stevens Creek Elementary School and we bought 18 acres of land on Stevens Creek Road. And from that move over the years, we've seen God do significant things. Honestly, when Patty and I started the church 35 years ago, we had a lot of knowledge about religion. I had a Bible degree from a Lee University. I had a master's degree in religion from Sanford University. And so I was ordained. And so we were prepared. But the interesting thing about that is that we had a lot of information about religion and knew how to preach the Bible, but we really didn't know how to interact with lost people. We didn't know how to make practical to seek and to save that was lost. And so when Sylvia walked in that day, she really challenged me and, and she opened my eyes. And it's through that process that we learned that valuable principle that we call a motto around here that lost people matter. And so that's how we've just rebuilt the foundation of the church. And you've heard this statement, and this statement I'm about to read is the very statement that came out of this whole uh, season in our lives, that we believe that Stevens Creek Church can be a place where the lost can be found and the broken can be healed. 
We believe that Stevens Creek Church can be a place where the lost can be found and the broken can be healed. God loves lost people. Now, just a moment. For those of you who were parents, or if you've ever been a parent, you've probably felt this before. Have you ever misplaced one of your children? Yeah, you have, I'm sure. I mean, seriously, have you ever been in a department store and they are right behind you, and then you turn around, and they're gone. Like, where did they go? And you start looking around, and you call their name, and maybe they're in the clothes rack in the middle of that, or or you uh, continue to look around, and it's not that big a deal, but then all of a sudden you don't see them, and you you scour the the, uh, area of the store, and you don't see them, and then you start to get really, really nervous, And then you start to panic, and you get desperate, and you get desperate. I believe that God is desperately looking for his lost children. If you have ever felt that feeling in a department store, if you have ever felt that feeling in the neighborhood where you're, you cannot find that child that you love, you cannot find, and you're looking every, you're calling people up, you're asking people to help, you're asking workers, have you seen my child? You're doing everything you can. That's how God feels. God is desperately looking for his lost children. I'll tell you, we see it over and over. If you have even a dog that's lost, you're going to be making um, posters and you're going to put them on telephone poles and you're going to pass them out. Have you seen this pet? Have you seen my child? Um, it's on milk cartons or whatever. We're all, we're, we know what it, that feels like. Think about it in God's way, that God's heart is breaking well, it was during that season that I was opened up to a, um, a process that changed my life. It was a milestone moment when I saw the seven-step strategy uh, for Stevens Creek unfold. I was in a conference in 1992 in February. And uh, look, I'd been in church all my life, and I'd never understood how can you take an irreligious person and how do you do that and turned them into a fully devoted follower of Christ. Because here's where I've come from. I grew up in a church where we went seven years and only had one person baptized. Seven years, one person baptized. His name was Charles Bowie. We were thrilled that he got saved. But that was it. Seven years. And so if you ever think that I'm just so passionate and I'm just so focused on that, that's probably because of my heart. That if Jesus said that we are to seek and to save, let's do what the Bible says. And so it's back in 1992, I'd, look, I'd been trained in church work, but I'd never, it just did for the first time it made sense. For the first time I understood how you could grow a church how a church is supposed to work. And so seven steps. Here's the first step. Now, they didn't say it like this back then, but this is how I eventually changed it just out of my own life and experience. Here's the first step. I want you to be nice to people. Be nice to people. 
Now, you've heard me say that over and over and over. And it is not just a good, cute saying. I really feel like this is the key. This is the secret sauce behind everything that we do. It's the secret sauce behind this book. For God so loved the world that he gave. God loves. And so we've got to just let bring it down to where we live, be nice to people. And I believe that this involves making relationships with unchurched people. You may be the only sermon that somebody hears. You may be the only Bible. Your life may be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. And honestly, we have a lot of unchurched people, and you think, well, they live in America. Well, just because you live in America doesn't mean you know the Bible or you experience Jesus. You know, honestly, your unchurched friends, they're insulated from Christianity. Your unchurched friends, they don't listen to Christian radio. Your unchurched friends, they don't watch Christian television. Your unchurched friends, they don't care about your bumper stickers. Not at all. And if we're not careful we can allow them to continue to be insulated away from Christianity while we continue to do our own thing. But it's our responsibility to take that step, to be nice to people, to build a relationship, just to be friends with them. So how do you do that? How do you do that? Just just look at your life. Be intentional about relationships. Okay, how do you do it? Okay, where do you shop? Think about where you buy your uh, groceries, maybe where you buy your gas. Think about where you work. Just think about your normal flow, the school, um, the classes that you're taking. Just think about how you just go throughout this week. And just be nice to people. First of all, people will be surprised. Like, why are you being nice to me? And, and so just be kind to them, and, and you'll notice a change. They'll warm up to you, and they'll be nice back to you in most cases. And so just think about where you shop. Think about what do you do for fun. Do you like to bowl? Do you like to play tennis? Do you like to play pickleball? Do you like to golf? Do you like to hunt? Do you like to fish? Think about those normal activities that you have. And just include somebody who's far from God to go with you. Hey, let's go play some golf. Just be kind, be nice to them. I can't tell you how many times I'll run into people that I coached um, in Columbia County. For 10 years, I coached basketball and I coached baseball in the Columbia County Rec Department. Not because I'm a good athlete, not because I know a lot about sports. It's because I manage people um, and that I had kids in, in the program and I wanted to do my part. But even today, we have people that come to church and said, yeah, Pastor Marty was my coach when I was a kid. Because in those days, Patty and I used like the Columbia County Rec Department as a vehicle just to meet people who didn't go to church here and to meet people who were far from God. And so I just want you to think about 
How are we going to turn an irreligious person into a fully devoted follower of Christ? The very first step, we're just going to be kind to them. We're going to be nice to them. We're going to develop a relationship. And we believe that as you develop the relationship, the Holy Spirit is going to get involved in that relationship. And in fact, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a normal conversation. And then all of a sudden, you're not going to do anything different. You're not doing anything different. The Holy Spirit's going to get involved and it's going to turn that normal conversation into a spiritual conversation. And that person, your friend, is going to say, hey, what's up with this? And it's going to ask you a question. could be about the end times. It could be about um, uh, this or that. And you may not even know the answer to that. And you just say, hey, let me find out an answer and I'll tell you. But use this just to tell your story. Just tell your story. Don't be weird. Don't be goofy. Don't use words that they don't understand. We've got to do like the Apostle Paul, and we've got to use the words that they understand. Make it plain. Make it clear. And just say, this is what's happened to me. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, nobody knows your story better than you. And I just simply want you to tell your story. Hey, this is what's happened to me. And maybe you, you uh, ask this question. Hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? So this is step two. Be nice to people. Tell your story. I'm not asking you to jump through a hoop. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. I want you to be normal people. Don't be goofy. Don't be weird. Be nice and just tell your story and say, why don't you come to church with me? That's the third point. Invite your friend to a service. Invite your friend to come to church with you. Take a risk. I mean, this is a, it's a big step. And, and some of you know what kind of step that is, but just do that. And if you'll invite your friend, I promise you, we will work hard to present pages of the Bible in a clear and effective way, in a compelling way. And so I just invite them to church. This is the message of Luke chapter 14. It says, then the master told the servant, go out into the roads and country lanes and make them come in. So he is very, he's much more direct than I am. He's make them come in so that my house will be full. And you're saying, oh, Marty, you're just trying to build a big church. No, I'm not, because I realize that everybody matters, and lost people matter, and they should matter enough for me to just give a a simple invitation for them to come to church. I'll never forget when I was growing up in church, um, every week, the choir director would get up and say, you know, if everybody would invite one person to church next week, we would double in a week. He said that every week, never happened. In fact, the church is smaller now than it was when I was going to it. It just doesn't happen that way. And the reason we didn't invite people to church is because we didn't know what was going to happen, and we were afraid to invite somebody to church. Something goofy may happen, and something weird may happen, and then we'd have to explain to our friends what that was all about. And so we just didn't do that, and church became just us. It became a group of people that looked like us, that talked like us, that voted like us. And that we became this insulated group of people. 
Well, the problem is there's lost people like Sylvia all around our church buildings, and they're headed for a Christless eternity, and God has placed us in the community to be a light to dispel the darkness. And I'm speaking to you. We are the church. The church is not a building. The church is a people. And so you are a people. You've been called out. You've been placed in this community to shine your light. And so when we were going through that phase in the early days where the Lord spoke to me and said, I've called you to reach lost people and you're not doing it. And I was honest, God, I don't know how to do it. I just don't know how to do it. And so we connected and learned how to be an outreach-focused church. And part of that is that we're going to create a service for people like Zacchaeus. Because that verse 10 says, you came to, Jesus came to seek and to save. In the early days, we created a service called a seeker service based on that verse, seek and to save. And we understood people were seeking. And so we wanted to create a user-friendly approach to church so that just anybody could come in and they could get something something out of it. So we looked at how we dressed. We looked at... uh, our music style, we looked at our communication style and all of that, and we started to reshape the church. Now, you've got to understand, this is back in 1992, and in Augusta, Georgia back then, Augusta is where the Southern Baptist Convention started. People call us the buckle of the Bible belt, okay? We're the eighth most religious city in America, according to a 2017 survey. So just think about it in those. So we came in. There were no contemporary churches here. It was doing what we were doing. It was, we were here. And when we brought electric guitars and we brought drums and we brought contemporary music and we brought dance and we brought drama and we brought humor and we started introducing all of that into this community, they thought we were crazy, that we had watered down the gospel and uh, that, that, uh, that we were not even Christian. Look, Stevens Creek has never watered down this book. And just because we look into the eyes of everyone and say, you are welcome here, does not mean we are compromising the faith. The truth of the matter is, our goal, um, you know, I've heard this, oh, yeah, those people, they just let the world into the church. I've had a pastor tell me that. Yeah, you're the kind that you just let the world into the church. You know, honestly, yes, we have let the world into the church, and we say to the world, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. It doesn't matter what part of uh, journey you may be on, you're welcome here. Now, that does not mean we're going to compromise this book. We're going to stand on the truth But people are messed up. People are hurting. Their lives are in chaos. And and if they they can't help find help and find uh, a welcome mat at the local church, where in the world are they going to find it? And so God placed us here, and and we started reshaping it. and, And granted, today there's a contemporary church on every street corner in our area. But back then, it was a struggle. Back then, it was, it was a tough um, road to walk 
But God had placed us here because we were okay to be uh, shunned by our church folks because we knew that lost people mattered. And there was a season, you know, we went through a season when we first started to change this. We didn't get people from other churches. Now it's different. Sometimes people transfer from one church to another. We went through a season. Nobody did that because you sure didn't want to go to that church. You don't want to go to that church. And so what happened is we started growing because lost people started coming. People started being saved. Their lives were changed. Then they would bring their friends and their lives would be changed. That's really what gave us the energy to, to end up where we are today. And so invite a person and say, hey, I want you to come to church with me Sunday. The, the fourth step is this. Uh, we want you to attend regularly. Just come to church. The, my goal this week, if you're brand new to Stevens Creek, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain just a little bit. My goal for you this week it's not necessarily for you to be saved today. I'll give you an opportunity in a little bit, but it may not be that. Here's what my goal is. I want you to come back next week. I just need you to come back. I just need you to come back. I want you to attend regularly because if you will come and just show up, I believe the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of God will rest on you and you'll start to sense there is a power that's greater than I am. There is a power that's greater than us and that we become open to receiving that power and that Spirit. And so just come back next week just to attend regularly. And as they would do that, eventually I believe that they'll pray the prayer. They'll say, Jesus, save me. God, make me into the kind of person you would have me to be. And eventually they'd be baptized. And then we want them to take their next step. And their next step is to join a small group because we believe that real life change takes place in the context of community. There's something about sitting around a, a table or in a group with the people who are in, uh, going through the same struggles that you're going through and that you rely on each other to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be taught God's word. And you truly learn to work out your faith with fear and trembling in the context of a small group. I believe as a church, we can grow larger, but as we grow larger, we must grow smaller at the same time. We've got to be connected. You need to know people. And there's something about discipleship that you'll grow in your faith in the context of a small group. And we want to make disciples. We're just not trying to make numbers. We're trying to make disciples. The next thing is I want you to volunteer regularly. This is step number six out of the seven steps. So we're winding it down. Step number six, believers who consider Stevens Creek Church their home, we want you to serve. We believe that God has given you spiritual gifts. He's given you a heart. He's given you abilities. He's given you your unique personality. He's given you experiences. And when you put all that together, it really becomes your spiritual shape. This is the person uh, that you've been created to be. And I want you to use that to help other people. So that's why we talk about serving we say it all the time, love God, love people, serve the world. We want you serving. You're not just consumers here. If you're going to be a part of the creek, you're going to be a servant of the Lord. And so we have done a great job through the years. Today, just 
active volunteers, active people who are, who are serving. There are over 800 people who volunteer on a weekly or on a regular basis here at Stevens Creek Church because you understand that Jesus has given you these gifts and you want to give back and help others. And, that, and you may serve here or at Grovetown or in South Campus, or you may serve at our Dream Center, or you may serve in a hundred different other ministries. But that's a part of giving back. Now, we're talking about seven steps. How do you take an irreligious person and see them become a fully devoted follower? You've been through six steps for here's number seven. Number seven is that you're going to love God and you're going to love the church enough that you're willing to give. We, you know, you're going to love God and you're going to love the church enough that you're willing to give your hard-earned money uh, to the ministries because you understand it takes money to do ministry. And just very practically, we have to think about it. We are enjoying this space because people who have come before us made this happen. You know that? I think about when that first building was given to us, that first church building was given to us. And I think about all those people who worked and they sold chicken dinners and hot dog suppers and they did all that to get that, uh, to build that little building on Old Petersburg Road uh, that the administrative bishop just gave us. And that we were able to sell that property and put the money down onto this land, some $300,000. And so when I see activity here and people saved here, I think about that little church over on Old Petersburg Road that was started in 1967 in a cement block building that those people who gave to that church really has affected us. And in the same way, you're affecting the next generation. Those of you that are, are bringing the tithes and the offering, you're making a difference so that my kids and grandkids and maybe great-grandkids are going to uh, have an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus in a way they can understand it because you have been faithful to give. And I just want to thank you for that. So that's how it happens. Think about this. That lost person, that irreligious person, the person that you thought would never come to church, how do you reach them? First step. Be nice to them. Build a relationship with an unchurched person. And then during that, questions are going to come up, and I just want you to tell your story. And in that process of telling your story, you'll add that one question. Hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? And that's step three. Invite them to a service. Encourage them to attend regularly. Join a small group. Roll up your sleeves and serve. Love Christ enough to give. When I saw that in 1992 for the very first time, I couldn't believe that it, it was so simple. It made so much sense. For the first time in my life, I saw how the, a church could grow and how a church could serve a community. And we've teach this at every one of our Next Step classes because this is the heart of who we are. Here's an example of that. It's been some time ago in between services, I was meeting people and Patty came up to me and just, you could see, you know, when your wife talks to you and then, you know, when she really talks to you and, and you lean in and, you know, you have my attention. Well, she came up to me in between services and she grabbed me. She said, I need you to come. And I could tell there's an urgency in her voice. 
And so she took me over into the offices, into a small room, and there was a lady sitting there. And she said, you need to talk to her. And I sat down with this lady that I didn't know. And she looked at me, and she said, I'm not a Christian. I said, okay. Because, you know, we have, this is a place for non-Christians. And she said, she said it again. I just need to tell you that I am not a Christian. I said, okay. She said, I just need to tell you that I am coming here and I'm sitting up in the risers and I am not a Christian. And I didn't know if this was going to be a Billy Graham moment or whatever. I said, okay. Then she looked at me and she said, I'm a Muslim. And she said, I went to the mosque and I did not feel welcome there. But I came here And I felt welcome. Now, the sad end of that conversation, she went on to say, I'm not going to become a Christian because I know what it would cost me and my family. But I'm bringing my children here. And I eventually baptized both of her her daughters. And what it would cost her and her family is that back in Pakistan, somebody could be killed because of their, they left that, that religion. And so I am so glad that her daughters came to faith. But I'm also so proud of you that you were open enough and loving enough to allow somebody who's not even a Christian not American, to walk through these doors and not judge them, not look down on them, but say, yes, you have a place here. In the coming months, we may see people that don't look like us, that don't vote like us, um, that don't believe like us walk through these doors. And when you see that happen, just know that that's a win for us. Because we want this place to be open so that everyone can hear the message that Jesus loves them so their lives could be changed, so they can be filled up with a power that's greater than themselves, and so that the message of Jesus will go on to the next generation. I just want this to rest on you. Those in Grovetown, those in South Campus, I know I've gone over. I know that. But I just want you to hear this and understand this is more than about the building in Grovetown. This is more than about the building at South Campus and this road. This is about lives. This is about people. It's about our neighbors. Maybe it's about our children or our grandchildren. This is about people turning their lives over to Jesus. I want to be a part of that. And as we look to the future of this church, I want this to be so ingrained in who we are and what we do that it just becomes natural to say, won't you come to church with me Sunday? Let's all stand in Grovetown, South Campus. Let's all stand together. Now I realize this could be some of you, this may be your first time here at Stevens Creek Church. 
in fact, I think this has been a great day for you to be here because you see really the heart behind what we do and possibly why we do what we do. I also realize some of you have come in here today, maybe at our campuses, and you walked in and you've had a very difficult week. Maybe your, your life is in chaos. Your life is in pain. Maybe you've had lost someone and you're in grief today. As we close out in prayer, I want to pray over you. But here's what, for those of you that your life is kind of move, going smooth right now, I want you to pray for your friends that are far from God and say, God, this week, if you can allow me to be kind to them and just to allow them to understand they matter, give me that opportunity. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would stir up your spirit in our church. And I pray, God, that you would give us the gift of evangelism, that we would invite people, that we would give them hope, that they would find a healing. Now, Jesus, I pray for those people today that they've walked through these doors and uh, they've just, their life is in chaos. I ask God that you just bring peace. God, to those people that are hurting, I ask God that you bring healing. Let your presence rest on us today. God, I ask that you would speak, that even today, God, you may be calling people into a full-time ministry that they would sense your calling, your urgency, that the time is short. So come, Lord, and do your work in this place. And to those that have never been saved, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Just say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I receive your forgiveness. God, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And in Jesus' name, we pray this prayer. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Let's give him praise. Look forward to seeing you next week. Be blessed. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.